Just a friendly reminder that if you wish to support the ministries of this podcast or of the local church in which I serve, you may send any donations to 563 East Main Street in Philadelphia, Mississippi, 39350, care of Henry's Chapel, UMC. So today we continue our series kind of of looking at who it is that God calls us to be. And we began the series by looking at the identity that we were created for, the purpose in which God ha- intends for our lives. And we began to unpack what it meant, how we could find out this identity at the core of who we are, who we are created to be. And it was through the spiritual disciplines. And we began by looking at the idea of searching the scriptures, of hearing God's word and hearing God's truth spoken through the scriptures. And last week we looked at the idea of fasting. And we looked at it through the lens of that fasting is not so much about what you're giving up as it is about what you receive. We're making room for God in our lives. We're removing those things that would make God feel unwelcome. We're removing those things that are not of God so that God may have a space in our hearts and our minds and our lives and that God may guide us. And this week, we're going to jo- look at a spiritual discipline that many of us do. It is that spiritual discipline of prayer. For some of us, we can say that we may not pray as frequently as we would like or, or as well as we would like. But the reality is, is that for many of us, we pray. Even if it's the idea of, dear God, just help me through, get through this day. Dear God, just help me not to, to beat my children. Dear God, just help me not to lose my marbles. Dear God, just help me not to grow angry. Dear God, just help me. Whatever it is, many we for many of us, we pray. And we look at this idea of prayer, and two of the key parts of prayer is confession and repentance. And, and we confess, which ties us into that idea that we looked at last week of fasting. Uh, when we repent, we are called to turn away from things. So what we do is we confess those areas of our lives that we looked at last week that we need to remove, and we repent. We turn away from we remove them through fasting and we turn those and we turn our lives, our very lives to God. But so often when we get in caught when we get caught up in the idea of prayer, as we hear in Matthew chapter six, we get caught up in making sure we say the right words. You see, we lose sight of the fact that prayer is commun- is a communication line between us and God and how beautiful that is, that how amazing it is that the God and creator of the universe longs to be in relationship with us so much so that we are given the gift that we don't have to go through someone else or do something. All we have to do is cry out, speak to God. But we also lose sight of the fact that communication is a two-way street. And for many of us, we sit and we say, God, give me, give me, give me. I want this, do this. Hey, God, God, God. And we talk a lot and we never take the time to stop and listen. And it's like asking a question, but not listening for an answer. It's kind of like when my nephews were little, they would walk up to me and go, hey, how, how does this work? And before I could answer the question, they'd gone off to do something else. And I think many of times with our own relationship with Jesus Christ, we're the same way. We go, hey, God, help, help me to understand this. But then we go on about our lives because the reality is, is we don't really want to understand it. We just want God to know that we care. And we want, but we, what we really want is we want things our way. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But we're also going to talk about the fact that what we're called to do is listen. And this is one of the hardest things for me to do, to shut it down, to be quiet, and to listen. 
I, I can remember when I started a few years ago for Lent uh, doing my prayer journaling that I would find myself more times than not just going through the prayer, finding a book or something and reading the prayers, reading the scriptures and moving on about my day and not realizing, oh, I need to take a moment to listen, allow God to speak, to hear God's call. And, and so that's when I kind of built in the second part of it was the idea of a, sitting and listening, but B, going for a run. And many times, just not listening to praise and worship music or just listening to what's going on around me to hear God's still small voice speak to me and say, and guide me, direct me, speak wisdom into my life. I mean, and I just think about how frustrated I get whenever I'm trying to explain something to someone and they continually are interrupting me. And I just, if you would just listen, you would hear what I'm trying to say. But and I just think, but I do the same thing to God where I continually talk, talk, talk and never give God the opportunity to speak. Or even if God is speaking, I shut it off and don't listen. But as we hear in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, this is right before what we looked at last week about fasting. But it says, whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. And he says, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into a room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Ultimately, what he's pointing us to is this idea of prayer is not about anyone else. It's literally, the beauty of it is, is that you have this open line of communication to the God and creator of all things. It's not, let me pray eloquently so that others can look at me and hear me and say, look at how religious they are. But it's literally a time for you to be able to sit down and go, let's get real with God. It's kind of like if you were to want to have a heart-to-heart -heart with somebody, you wouldn't go out on a street corner and, go and air your grievances, although many times... This is a side note that we have a tendency to do that in Facebook or Instagram or whatever type of social media. But the reality is, is that the real is that the way in which we are called to pray and the best way in which to ad address any issue is to sit one on one and to and to have that honest conversation, to have that time away. And he goes on, he says, when you are praying, do not heap up those empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. And this is the trap that many people find themselves falling into when it comes to prayer. Let me make sure that I use the right words and enough words. Let me make sure that if I'm going to get my, if I'm going to pray, I'm going to make sure that I get my money's worth, if you will. And what Jesus is ultimately saying is say what you mean and mean what you say. It doesn't, that you don't have to use 800 words. Just be honest, be authentic, be real. Because prayer is our communication with God where we cry out for forgiveness, where we seek God's wisdom and then we proclaim that he alone, that God alone is worthy of our praise, that God and God hears us. And we get to hear from God as well. You see, what Jesus is reminding us is just say what you mean. Mean what you say. And he gives us a framework. And a lot of times we hear this framework and we think it, that this is a verbatim of what we pray. And the fear of this that we're about to read is that it has become so verbatim that we've memorized it. We say it like it's 
a script and we don't know what we're actually saying. But Jesus says this. He says, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. You see, as we mentioned, this time of prayer is a time of confession, a time of repentance so often. And the first thing that we confess here is that Jesus is Lord. Yes, later on we hear this idea of confessing those ways in which we've fallen short. But when we say, our Father in heaven, this is a term of love. This is a term of embracing. This is a term of family. God, I... I could, there are 800 different names and labels that are given for you, but you indeed are my father. I am birthed by you because I am a member of your family. I'm a co-heir of your kingdom. Hallowed be your name. This idea of hallowed is not something that we use frequently in our current culture, but it's that idea of being holy. It's saying, God, you alone are holy and your name alone is is worthy to be praised. And this idea of thy, this idea that we hear, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy is in contrast of me or my. And what it's saying is, God, your name is greater than mine. And your name deserves to be praised, not my own. It's literally saying, God, let me take a step back so that you may take your proper seat on the throne. God, let everything I say and do be pleasing and glorifying to you that I may proclaim that you indeed are God. And what we need to realize is in our lives, in our words, in our deeds, we can either be hallowing or profaning the name of God. What does our life say about who God is and what God is doing? So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And it goes on and says, your kingdom come and your will be done. Or thy kingdom come and thy will be done, depending on your translation, which reminds us that it's not mine, but it's yours, O God. It's that contrast of, God, I would rather your kingdom come and your will be done than my kingdom or my will. Because yours are greater than mine. And Lord, when I live into your call for me, when I listen and hear your desires for my life, when I listen and hear your wisdom spoken into my very life, that is when I am fulfilled. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done is a reminder that there is a gap between what God desires for us and where we find ourselves. So maybe this is that call as we pray it to open our eyes to see where God, where God's kingdom of mercy, love, and hope is not being shown in our current world and to, to seek ways in which we may bring about God's love, grace, and mercy in this world that so badly needs to see, hear, and feel God's presence. Because it goes on, it says, on earth as it is in heaven, It's this idea of let us constantly be seeking to be and live in the presence of God and share that love and that grace and that mercy with all that we encounter. 
Let's not miss the fact that there are many people in our world that are living in a hell on earth. And many of times it is because of the way in which we are treating others. And we are called, as we pray this, to look at the idea of God. How can we usher in your kingdom of love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, and unity instead of our own kingdom of hate and division and separation? And how can we lift one another up instead of pushing one another down? How can we usher in your kingdom? kingdom God thy kingdom come and thy will be done not my own God give us this day our daily bread is that call to say God give me what I need not what I want or think I deserve but what I need fulfill my needs and don't and, and I don't need this overabundance oh God for if I have you I have enough Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive others. Do we realize how bold we are when we pray that? God, forgive me as I have forgiven other people in my life. I don't know about y'all, but I have a tendency to harbor resentment. I have a tendency to hold on to grudges sometimes. And, and what this is saying is, God, I want you to forgive me the same way that I forgive people. So in other words, if we're going to pray that, then we better be forgiving. So where are those places that we've harbored resentment? What are those arguments and those hostilities that you have held on to? that you need to forgive, that we need to release, that we need to, as the Disney movie tells us, let it go. Do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. This is that time of confession, God. These are the issues that I have in my life. These are the temptations that I have in my life. These are the struggles that I have in my life. God, help me to steer from those. Give me your wisdom and your guidance that I may not fall into temptation of the evil one. Direct me. Guide my heart. Guide my thoughts. But do you notice what we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer that is not on this one. We add on this idea, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, which is that reminder, it's that doxology. It's those words of affirmation of praise and glory. And it's a call back to first or to First Chronicles 29, 11, where David is praising God and he says, Yours, O Lord, are the greatness and the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as a head above all. And that's what we're proclaiming. For God, your, everything is yours. Everything I have is yours. You get it all, oh God. And you see, this is what we are called to pray. We don't have to pray those exact words, although many times we do. But it's that call to, when we pray, let us remember that we are speak, that we are giving everything to God and we are proclaiming, God, you are greater than I am. And, let, and God, guide me that I may live into your will, into your guidance, into your kingdom. It's a call to say, God, let, just guide me and lead me. Because if we're seeking to bring about God's kingdom, then we need to listen to the person that's in charge, right? 
If we're saying, God, help, lead me in your kingdom, then we don't need to be pursuing after our own wants and desires, but after the wants and desires of the leader of the kingdom. So it's a, literally, as we hear this prayer, what it is is it's saying, God, let me take a step back that you may take a step forward. Guide my heart, my mind, my actions, my words, that they may bring about your kingdom of love, grace, mercy, and unity in this world that so badly needs to see, hear, and feel your presence. That it may be that I may, that through me, you may free others from the hell that they are living in, that they may encounter heaven here on earth, oh God. Oh God, I know that I have wants, but just fulfill me for what I need, oh God, that I may go forth to do your will. And God, help me to have a heart of forgiveness and love that I may forgive others as you and that you may and that you may only forgive me as much as I forgive others, oh God, because as I forgive others, I am living in your will. And God, help me, give me the wisdom to stray from temptation and from evil that I may continue to live in your light and in your way. Ultimately, this prayer in which Jesus lays out for us that we have so affectionately called the Lord's Prayer is this. God, I give you all of me because you created me. You know me better than I know myself. I give my very life to you. Take and use and do as you will. This should be our prayer daily. To seek God's guidance and wisdom. Confessing those ways in which we have fallen short. Repenting of those things that we have done that are not of God but seeking to help God, seeking to be the hands and feet of God, seeking to usher in the kingdom of God in this world that so badly needs to see here and feel God's presence as we confess that, God, this world is not as it ought to be, but use me to be an agent of your change, to bring about your love, to bring about your mercy, to bring about your grace, and to bring about your unifying love. God, use me to shine your light. That when others encounter me, they are not encountering me, but they are encountering the God that lives and dwells within me. This is our prayer. As we seek the wisdom of God, let us have ears to hear, hearts to care, and feet to go wherever it is that God calls us to go. Amen and amen.